It is with great delight that I present to you the messenger of the hour. Lindsay Cook is one of our own. She grew up in Evangel Heights United Methodist Church. You helped to nurture her as a church family, and for that we give God the glory. Lindsay is currently serving as a missionary in Honduras, and she will be returning uh, to that country uh, this week. We pray God's continuous blessings upon her. May God continue to use Lindsay to bring glory and honor to God's name as she becomes Jesus Christ in the flesh, touching and teaching lives. Thank you, Lindsay, for the message. Thank you, Pastor Michelle. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be back with you again this week. But I will admit that it is a little bit daunting to be the one speaking to you after the events of this week. Um, I know that it is a, a large call as so many are wondering how do we respond as it was mentioned earlier. And I love how the spirit moves and leads each part of the service because I'm amazed at how all of the songs and the prayers and everything that has been said so far today ties so beautifully in with what I feel like the Lord has given me to share with you um, this morning. So as we think about how do we as the church respond to what's going on in our world right now, um, I think that we have two um, potential options of what we can do. On, on one hand, I think that we should allow ourselves to be sobered by the events. I think we um, should allow ourselves to be reminded that, we, um, that there is no perfect earthly government, there is no perfect culture, and we do live in a fallen world, and we should allow that to impact us. But I also think um, that we as the church should allow it to move us in a way um, that we should be um, spurred beyond just chalking it up to, we live in a fallen world and there's nothing we can do and we should just bide our time until Jesus comes back or we get to escape all of this to heaven. There has to be more. And so while I do not have all of the answers and um, I cannot offer a perfect way forward, I think one thing that the Lord is inviting us as the church to move forward in is to first remember our identity in Christ as his people. Um, I believe that he's urging us to remember who we are, not just as Americans, not just as a, a particular party member, not even as a particular denomination, but as children of God. So will you join me in prayer as we get started this morning? Father God, we love you and we thank you again for the privilege it is to be in your presence this morning. And God, I um, just echo the prayers that have already been offered uh, that you would guide us. God, that you would um, show us the way forward. God, I pray that you would use me um, to speak your word this morning, that you would open up our hearts and open up our ears to receive um, your word, and that you would transform us, that you would show us who we are in you, remind us, God, of what those things really mean and who our identity is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as um, we look at both of the passages that were read this morning. Um, it, it strikes me as interesting when we talk about Jesus' baptism that 
before Jesus did any ministry, before he started preaching, before he started healing, before he had raised anyone from the dead, he first entered into um, baptism and the Lord spoke over him, with you I am well pleased. He proclaimed his identity before he had done anything, the Lord was so very pleased with him. And I think we as the church need to remember that um, our identity in Christ is so important. Before we step out and make any action, before we start serving, before we start doing anything, we need to be secure in our identity in Christ. And so that's what I would like to um, talk about this morning as we look at this Romans passage and point, uh, pull out a few, um, certainly not an all-encompassing um, list of who we are in Christ, but at least a few things um, that, that the Lord, I feel, wants to remind us of who we are. And so the first one is that we are kingdom citizens. In this passage in Romans, it's talking about how um, we are to live according to the law of the Spirit and not any other law. Um, now, the law of the Spirit certainly does not abolish any earthly laws, but it does transcend them. Um, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. And that word fulfill means to make full, to perfect, um, to cause God's will to be obeyed as it should be. Um, so over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus say, you have heard it said, but I say. Um, and it was always something, in my opinion, more intense than what the original um, law or um, standard was. It was always addressing a deeper heart issue. Um, so for example, Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not kill your neighbor, but I say to you, you shall not hate your brother. And so the law of the spirit is superseding and actually getting deeper into our heart issues. And if we allowed, um, if we really paid attention to the law of the spirit and allowed the, the Holy Spirit to work on those deeper things in us, then these outward actions would be taken care of. Um, so as we remember that we are kingdom citizens. We as the church need to be willing to take a good look at our values. Personally, as a church, as a community, um, because sometimes our values are actually just cultural values or our own religious values or our own traditions and maybe not actually the kingdom values that Christ talks about in scripture or that we see over and over again um, in, in the Bible. And we have to remember that our kingdom, this kingdom of the Lord, is an upside-down kingdom. It's not how we think things should go. Um, we lead by serving. We are lifted up by humbling ourselves. We become first by going last. We receive by giving. So this is what it means to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh as it talks about in verse 4 of Romans 8 that was read this morning. And so I want to invite you in these days to come as we think about who we are as a church to think about these things that we hold to as values and are they kingdom values or are they not? and allow the Lord to challenge us on that. Um, but I know that the kingdom value is always going to produce more fruit than even our um, purest earthly values, um, as 
pure as they can be. <laughs> um, so the first, uh, that first thing is that we are kingdom citizens. The second thing that I see from this passage, especially in those verses of 14 through 16 of Romans chapter 8, is that um, we are called to be confident children of God. Um, and children are, while they are dependent for everything, that is a really important aspect of children that I think the Lord, when he said we need to become like children to enter the kingdom, one of those things is that we have to be so dependent on the Lord. Um, before we rush out and think that we can do things on our own, um, we, we do need to make sure that we're getting our life, we're getting our um, direction from him. But the other thing about children that I love is that when they are unscarred um, by a lot of the things in our world, they are so fully trusting. They believe that anything is possible, and they know that if they jump, then daddy will catch them, even if his back is turned. And so Paul is saying in these verses that fear is associated with slavery um, when he says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as sons. And so since we are his children, we don't have to live in fear. And we don't have to be held back by our own insecurities or um, what if we don't know enough or what if we don't aren't informed enough or what if we're not spiritual enough the lord has already said that we are more than enough there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and so we get to move forward with that confidence that we are his children so as i was kind of studying this passage and preparing for today i listened to a podcast where um, the speaker was talking about this word abba and he pulled out some very interesting things that i wanted to share with you and um, so he was saying that abba is actually a transliteration um, of a word we don't have a specific word in english that fully captures what the meaning of this word is in the original language we do use papa or daddy um, to kind of get that intimacy um, portrayed but it's still he was saying not quite what this word means and he used the example of when his children were babies his uh, they would be screaming and crying in the middle of the night and when he would go and they could smell his scent he was not the one providing food for them but he, they smelled his scent and they would calm down. And one of, the, um, one of the definitions of this word Abba is, I long for your scent. How beautiful is that? That the Lord, one of the ways that we can approach the Lord is that very intimate, close on your heart, so content in your presence type of a father-child relationship. And I think that the Father is inviting us in this season where the world is in chaos, um, and I don't think that that will go away. If it's not this, it will be something else. <laughs> that the Lord is inviting us into that place of be still, know that I am God, that I am your Father, and just come and spend time with him. And he had this quote in the podcast. He said, I think if we would do that, we would love more deeply, we would forgive more quickly, 
we would laugh more deeply, and so many other things. Um, it starts, like we, I was talking about two weeks ago, it has to start with our relationship with Christ and our connection with him. And that is what gives us our confidence to then live like light in this world. So in addition to being kingdom citizens, confident children, um, we are also heirs in Christ that this passage talks about um, in verse 17. Now we are children. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I believe that we are more free than we know and we have access to more than we know as children of God. Um, the very spirit of God lives inside of us. And I think if we really understood that, we would live changed. And, and I pray that we continue to be taught how to do that um, in these days. As we talk about heirs in Christ, um, Galatians chapter 3 and into chapter 4 kind of explains a little bit more about what does it mean to be an heir. We, we kind of know that it involves having an inheritance, um, but I wanted to just read these passages for us this morning. It says, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Je Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as, many of, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, although he is the owner of everything but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, there it is again. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through, through God. So there are some things that we won't have until heaven. Perfect holiness, and we do only see in part now. But just as this passage is explaining, there are things that have been brought into our time right now that we have access to because of Christ. Um, we're no longer under the old law, and we have the spirit that we get to live by. Um, and so he wants us to use that inheritance now. Um, and just as an example of this, many of you know that I'm recently engaged. And when I tell people that my engagement ring belonged to my fiance's grandmother, Many might assume that she is deceased, but actually she's still living. Um, she has a ring collection, and in her will, she had designated one ring for each of her grandchildren to receive when she died. But she decided to give us part of Steve's inheritance now so that we could enjoy it. And 
So I think it gives her great pleasure to see us using it now. And it would be a little bit silly for me to just put this away in a drawer and wait to use it until later uh, because she specifically gave it to us for now. And so um, I think it's the same with the Lord. There are things that have been brought out of the treasury for us to use now. We have the mind of Christ. In James, it says that when we lack wisdom, we can ask God and he will give it to us generously above and beyond. So at any point when we don't know what to do, we have access to wisdom. We have access to peace that passes understanding. We have access to health and healing. We have access to the fruit and the gifts of the spirit. We have access to victory over the enemy and over sin and over darkness. We are not powerless as his children. It is important to note that Romans does specify that part of our inheritance is to share in Christ's sufferings. I don't think I have to tell you that life as God's child will not be without hardship, but there is always victory. And in Romans where it says, suffering in order that we may share in his glory. The glory always comes after. Um, and in 2 Corinthians it says, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to triumph in Christ. So it's not in and of ourselves, but he wants to work through us, church. And if we remember that our identity is that we are heirs of God, that we are confident children, that we are citizens of heaven, then that is how we move forward in this time. And as we walk out of that identity, then I really do believe that the Lord will continue to use us in this world. And as we take time today to remember our baptisms, I hope that you are encouraged by remembering these and other aspects of our identity, which you were baptized into. And I pray that we are empowered anew to fully live in our identity as light in this time in history. And maybe we'd be filled with a new sense of awe of the Lord's goodness in our lives, that we may offer a pure sacrifice of worship to him. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. We thank you that through the cross, you won our identity. And through our acceptance of you as Lord of our life, Savior of our life, we can be empowered by your Holy Spirit to live life now in victory in the midst of darkness in our world, in the midst of sin and chaos, you have called your bride to be light. So God, I pray that you would transform our hearts, that in any place where we don't fully believe that we are who you say we are, that we don't fully know if we can walk in the confidence that you've said we can walk in, if we don't fully believe that you want to work through us in mighty ways, that you would break those things off of us in the name of Jesus, that your peace and your love and your whisper of Abba, Father, of who you are to us would wash over all of the voices of condemnation and that you would remind us who you made us to be and that we would walk forward into this week, into this day, into this new year, confident in our identity in you. 
We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.